You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views, the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites, and is brought to you by ZeroMo, a non-profit initiative helping transition to battery-powered lawn and gardening equipment and electric vehicles using 100% renewable energy. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of The Driven Podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson and I'm the editor of The Driven website and also Renew Economy. And in this episode we're continuing our series from our recent electric vehicle transition conference. Um, A wonderful event we held in Sydney in August and we heard from many political leaders and also utilities and car manufacturers, electric vehicle manufacturers, charging station people and a lot of other experts looking to the future of electric vehicles and the big transition ahead of us. Today we're hearing from Alina Dini. Dr. Alina Dini is an industry fellow from the Queensland University of Technology Institute for Future Environments and has done a lot of work of how the electric vehicle transition might take place. Now, we kind of assume it is going to take place and there's all sorts of different forecasts about this big transition to 50% take up of electric vehicles 100% and when that might happen and when the tipping point might happen will it be in 5 years or 3 years or 10 years or 15 years well that'll probably come down to being a choice of the consumer and I think Alina Dini has got some fascinating things because sometimes as we do in many industries we forget about the consumer what is it that they actually want why is it that they've been slow on the uptake of electric vehicles in Australia. Is it just because of a lack of policy or is it just because they have not yet seen the sort of merchandise that they want to buy? Anyway, fascinating talk. Alina Dini from the Queensland University of Technologies. Good morning, everyone. So my name's Alina Dini. I'm here representing uh, Queensland University of Technology, where I'm an adjunct industry fellow. Um, part of my role there is about working with um, industry and academia and government around electric vehicle promotion. So I'm here to talk to you about what consumers think about electric vehicles and really kind of take this conversation from that big, high-level Um, policy market happenings that we've been discussing this morning and bring it down to the individual user. So it's a great opportunity for everyone to stretch their arms and tell me who in the room has just like even tiny bit thought about buying an EV. Keep your hands up. How many of you have actually shopped for one? Okay. And how many of you that have shopped for one have bought one? I don't know if you had to look around, but we had a full room of hands. And now we only have a handful. So I'm here to talk about why that's the case, or at least what my research has revealed and why it's really important for us to think about that now with all this really cool, exciting stuff happening. Why don't we have more of them on the road? So when we look around the room and we see who's in the room today, everyone has an interest in an electric vehicle. So I would characterize you as an expected EV early adopter. Now, an early adopter of any technology is someone who's kind of in on the ground, right? Those people who had... One of the first Apple Watches, I'm a person who does that. You know, first person with an Uber account, that sort of thing. People who commonly take to new ideas, who serve as role models for their peers. Really, it represents sort of 16% of the population. And I didn't count, but I bet that's probably fair around how many of you are EV owners relative to the whole group. 
In terms of electric vehicles, what research has revealed over time is the people who usually make up that group of EV early adopters are educated individuals. They usually own their own homes with a, a garage for, for putting cars in. They're often middle-aged or even a bit older. They often have a view towards sustainability. So as Christian said, they expect that car to be zero emissions, and, and they're often technology savvy. Now, that's not to say it's everyone, but these are characteristics. Now, one example of that kind of household is, is mine. So I've put a couple of photos up here to show you what an EV household looks like. So we got our first electric vehicle in 2013. Isn't it beautiful? Um, we got our second one in 2015. They're not Teslas, even though my husband and I both used to work there. They didn't pay us enough back then. Um, we also have solar on our home, so we're sort of typical EV early adopters. And I've got a couple of extra pictures here because I wanted to show you that I have been talking to consumers, or sorry, to individuals about consumers and early adoption of electric vehicles for many, many years. In fact, longer than Christian Hanberg. But in Australia, the market has been sort of inconsistent. As you can see with all of these sticks going up and down of different sizes, what it shows is electric vehicle adoption um, quarter by quarter until 20. I think that's just about 2017, so obviously there's a couple of more bars here missing. Um, it's been inconsistent, but on an upward trajectory, so that's, that's reasonably good news. So the question is, you know, why? Anyone could guess the answer to this question, right? Firstly, no incentives or EV policy in Australia. Now, what I've pictured here is actually New Zealand, because they're doing gangbusters better than we are on their policy and encouragement of electric vehicles for consumers. So I've, I've gone ahead and highlighted them. As you can see on the far left, that graph represents electric vehicle adoption over time. And what it shows is an upward trajectory, which is fantastic, but very consistent. And that has to do with the way the government has incentivized consumers to use EVs. Now, I use the word incentive to represent what the government does, but in this case, it doesn't give people money, which is kind of cool because lots of other markets have, and it makes it very difficult to justify spending money on what are vehicles that are only for a small group of people at the purchase point. But New Zealand has done it differently. They've increased consumer awareness through promotional programs. They've done ride and drive events. They've got a bucket load of information on their websites, as do many of the supporting groups that work on electric vehicles and a range of other things. The other problem is the kinds of cars we have in Australia. Well, there aren't very many electric vehicles. Many of the ones that are pictured here are no longer available for sale. There are new ones that are coming in, but I understand they're also not that easy to get your hands on. Um, charging infrastructure, again, another aspect of the electric vehicle market that is improving, but it has been problematic for a very long time. And so there is that sort of chicken and egg question, you know, are people going to uh, initiate demand before the cars arrive, therefore bringing them in, or are we going to have a situation where there are more vehicles than there are buyers? So we have that problem still remaining here in Australia. The other problem is one that um, I like to talk about a lot, and that has to do with misalignment of business models. So I, I remain very committed to the idea that you don't buy an electric car in the same way that you buy a conventional car. There are aspects of the shopping experience that are the same, but often the marketing and the positioning and, and that which requires a consumer to go from an interested party to an owner is very different. And I've got a couple of uh, auto industry sort of marketing pieces here to share this time around. So this particular picture comes from a Nissan Leaf model or version one ad where um, 
the gentleman on the right, the one with less hair, uh, he was the buyer of that Nissan Leaf, and the polar bear ran up to him all the way from Antarctica or somewhere like that and gave him a big hug to say, thanks, man. Now, what does that do? It represents the, the leaf as an environmentalist vehicle only. So if I'm not interested in polar bears or ice caps or all that sort of thing or climate change, no thank you, I don't want one. And that's been a problem for some time. The other problem is that information is hard to find, especially the stuff I need to know to make a decision. So if I go to carsales.com.au or any other generic car search website, um, I don't find the information I need if I'm buying an electric car. And last night, really late at night, as I was finishing my presentation tardily, I had a look on carsales.com.au just to make sure that I didn't misrepresent myself, and I entered into the other search field, electric, and I got 1,500 answers. Fantastic. There are 1,500 options for me. Do you want to guess how many of them are actually electric? I didn't count, but I can tell you it was more than the first, or less than the first three. Now, government provides some information, but as you know, they like to be technology agnostic. And we certainly have ride and drive events that are available, run by many of your organizations, but it's just not enough. So... Why is this issue important to me? Why am I here to talk to you? I really wanted to understand what was going on in the EV shopping process. So a couple of years ago, I undertook a project to interview people who were in the position that many of you who raised your hands were in, and that was they were shopping for an electric vehicle. Now, I admit this was a time in the market that is different than now, so some of this data is a little bit out of date, but the themes still hold true understanding what steps consumers take over what period of time and what's influencing their purchase decision is really important to understanding how we convert people who are interested into an electric vehicle into an owner of one. And so what is important to understand is that there's basically a framework or a process that every single consumer follows. And it starts with, can I afford it? Then it goes to, does the car fit my needs? And we talked a little bit about that earlier when we looked at fleet operators and what kind of vehicles were available in the marketplace. And then we hit this sort of, sort of trifecta of other things that nobody really seems to pay attention to yet because we just don't have enough cars to merit the time. But it's really important in understanding, can consumers obtain information? Can they try those cars? And can they see them in the market to actually feel like it's legitimate and real, and it's not a horrible business decision for them to switch from their conventional petrol, hey, I can fill it up, it's super easy, I have a shell card, I've driven it for 20 years already, to something that's quite new. And the problem is that those last three things, which are influenced by consumer confidence, are still very lacking in a market like Australia. So why do we care? Well, climate change is obviously ever more present, especially in the news media. The Amazon's burning. Um, we've got problems with drought in other areas. Um, there are a very long list of problems and reasons why we should pay attention, much less the fact that without reduction of emissions, we're not going to meet any of those climate targets, and EVs are essential to getting us there. So there's that one reason. Um, and, and a whole bunch of other ones related to the impact of EVs to greater society, which is on, on the left-hand side of this slide. Um, just for interest, that, that's me in my first electric car when I was sort of three or four. It's at an amusement park, but wasn't I cute? <laughs> um, the, the other thing that people don't talk about enough, 
and, and you really don't get to experience enough here unless you're in a car like Anna was this morning by Revel, and, and so was I, is how fun EVs are to drive. So there's lots of things on the right-hand side that, that show us how fun EVs are, but I, I've brought a video clip here to, to give you a taste of that, if, if you wouldn't mind playing it. It's not long. This is how driving should feel. The tech-advanced Nissan LEAF, the best-selling electric vehicle of all time. This is Nissan Intelligent Mobility. I hope that illustrates what I hoped it would, which is electric vehicles are really fun to drive, and people forget that. There's a lot of discussion around charging and how expensive are they and what's the best fit for me, but when you actually get behind the wheel of one, a pure battery electric more than a PHEV, and you get to drive it, it's sort of the coolest thing you've ever experienced, and that is what I think will sell them. Now, in Australia, we are doing better, so that one lone consumer has um, changed. You know, even, even in the last year alone, we've seen just a couple of articles I read on the Driven, again, preparing for this presentation. EV sales just in 2019 are up 20% from last year. Last year wasn't a very good year, so it's not necessarily that big of a jump as such yet, but there's a possibility we could reach, was it 4,500, I think? Um, we were talking about earlier, and there are now double the number of interested buyers than there were before. But how do we turn those interested buyers into actual owners? And I just want to step aside and share a little anecdote from this morning. I got an Uber to the airport and had a great conversation with my Uber driver about my presentation. Um, and he shared with me that he was actually really interested in electric vehicles and had been to a dealership to, to look at one of the new models that was available and was sorely disappointed to have found that the, the vehicle, the EV on display, wasn't charged. And the dealer staff who was working there didn't know how to plug it in. Um, so he didn't buy one. And the real problem there, because you've probably heard a story like this before, well, that's the first problem. But the second problem is that he's not going to go back. He's not going to go back anytime soon. He's had a bad experience. He's going to tell his friends. And it's going to take us a while to get him back in there buying a car again. And so to Anna's point earlier about those one to two vehicle purchases, if we lose our customer at the point of where they're just shopping, they're not going to be a customer. And so that's a problem that we need to focus on next. So there's lots of products coming into the marketplace. It's another thing that's improving the positioning for EVs. It's going to be looking a lot better soon, which is why I really drive home the need for us to start thinking about how do we turn consumers better. And a lot of it comes from providing that information that Christian highlighted has been really useful for utilities around the world. Um, and, and I've got one more point here to make around who's getting the information. So what this picture shows here is a Google trend for the past 12 months. As you can see, electric vehicles have been consistently sort of kind of interesting to Australian Google searches for a little while, a little bit of a uptick there around election time. Um, but if you compare it to another emergent kind of interesting trendy thing, I couldn't think of anything really great, so I, I came up with kombucha. Um, if you compare it to the 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 buzz around kombucha, you can see the trend around EVs is actually not traveling as upward as we would like. And my question for you is why not? 
I think the answer is that the messages aren't as readily getting out to those shoppers. So how do we reach them? Um, I've kind of made my point here around it's the consumer confidence still being low, but really, why is it low? The consumer confidence is low is because they're still not seeing enough product in the market. So even though there are new models of vehicles on the market, I don't see them and identify them as readily as an everyday user. I often don't have peers talking about what a great experience they're having because they don't have product. Um, the local industry, no offense to those in the room, but the sales process is still problematic, and, and learning how to sell them in a good, cost-effective way is, is still a problem. Um, the product variety is, is, is coming, as we saw in the previous slide, but it's still not where it needs to be relative to what consumers are expecting. And there are few trusted information sources. And when I say trusted, what I mean is sort of a one-stop shop or a couple where consumers can go and say, I trust this information is actually useful to me. Um, one thing that's really interesting that came out of my research is a lot of consumers found that they trusted the information that came from peers on social media, such as your homemade YouTube videos, more than they did you know, government websites and that sort of thing. So I, I found that to be really interesting. Um, what I'll say in terms of three things we need to pay attention to is how important that buzz is. So rather than targeted, expensive corporate marketing, what's really useful is people talking about their own everyday experiences. So you know, Anna was so kind today to talk about her ride share in an EV, which was complimentary um, on her way uh, from the airport. I had one similar. I will be sure to share that with my colleagues and friends so other people can take advantage of what was a really great service and actually cost competitive to taking a taxi. Um, the other thing is test drives. So if you have an opportunity to test drive an EV, do it. It's really fun, and I, I guarantee you won't regret it. And, and get in a couple of them, then you can compare them. And when you're looking to buy your next car, half the work will already be done. Um, lastly, normalizing EVs. So just making use of them. Uh, I'm sorry, incorporating how uh, the... the uh, Aspects of EV driving are complicated into your marketing is really important. So just what, what this picture here on the left shows is uh, a bunch of councils in the United States and how, how much their uh, work has resulted in more EVs being taken up. So the more you see work happening at the state, city, and utility level, the more electric vehicle uh, acceptance has increased. And I've just got one more video clip here around normalizing. It's another video from a manufacturer that I thought was quite pointed. I know what you're thinking. Electric, it's not for you. And you're probably right. Electric just doesn't have enough range. It will never survive the winter. Everyone knows water and electricity don't mix. No more hanging out here either. Charging stations? Good luck finding one of those. Electric just can't keep up. So, maybe an electric car isn't for you after all. Or is it? I want a naughty now too, don't you? So in closing, what I'll just say is 
sharing EV information is really important. It's so great to have everyone in the room today, but we also need to get the message out there to people who aren't as interested in EVs as the expected EV early adopters. So the next group of people, the people who might not buy an EV next year, but who might in five, they need to start being educated right now. So it's the responsibility of us representing our organizations to, to share that message. Thank you. The Driven Podcast was brought to you by ZeroMo, the non-profit initiative that supports battery electric alternatives for lawn and gardening maintenance. ZeroMo helps transition to cleaner and quieter garden power tools and electric vehicles powered by 100% renewable energy. Visit zeromo.com.au and find out how you can make the switch to zero emission, petrol-free lawn and garden maintenance.